Chapter Thirteen of Anne of Geierstein, Volume Two, by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Want you a man experienced in the world and its affairs? Here he is for your purpose. He's a monk. He hath forsworn the world and all its work the rather that he knows it passing well special the worst of it for he's a monk old play while the dawn of the morning was yet grey arthur was awakened by a loud ringing at the gate of the monastery and presently afterwards the porter entered the cell which had been allotted to him for his lodgings to tell him that if his name was arthur philipson a brother of their order had brought him dispatches from his father the youth started up hastily attired himself and was introduced in the parlour to a carmelite monk being of the same order with the community of st victor i have ridden many a mile young man to present you with this letter said the monk having undertaken to your father that it should be delivered without delay i came to aix last night during the storm and learning at the palace that you had ridden hither i mounted as soon as the tempest abated and here i am i am beholden to you father said the youth and if i could repay your pains with a small donative to your convent by no means answered the good father i took my personal trouble out of friendship to your father and mine own errand led me this way the expenses of my long journey have been amply provided for but open your packet and i can answer your questions at leisure the young man accordingly stepped into an embrasure of the window and read as follows son arthur touching the state of the country in so far as concerns the safety of travelling know that the same is precarious the duke hath taken the towns of brie and grandson and put to death five hundred men whom he made prisoners in garrison there but the confederates are approaching with a large force and god will judge for the right howsoever the game may go these are sharp wars in which little quarter is spoken of on either side and therefore there is no safety for men of our profession till something decisive shall happen in the meantime you may assure the widowed lady that our correspondent continues well disposed to purchase the property which she has in hand but will scarce be able to pay the price till his present pressing affairs shall be settled which i hope will be in time to permit us to embark the funds in the profitable adventure i told our friend of i have employed a friar travelling to provence to carry this letter which i trust will come safe the bearer may be trusted your affectionate father john philipson 
arthur easily comprehended the latter part of the epistle and rejoiced he had received it at so critical a moment he questioned the carmelite on the amount of the duke's army which the monk stated to amount to sixty thousand men while he said the confederates though making every exertion had not yet been able to assemble the third part of that number the young ferrand de vaudemont was with their army and had received it was thought some secret assistance from france but as he was little known in arms and had few followers the empty title of general which he bore added little to the strength of the confederates upon the whole he reported that every chance appeared to be in favour of charles and arthur who looked upon his success as presenting the only chance in favour of his father's enterprise was not a little pleased to find it insured as far as depended on a great superiority of force he had no leisure to make further inquiries for the queen at the moment entered the apartment and the carmelite learning her quality withdrew from her presence in deep reverence the paleness of her complexion still bespoke the fatigues of the day preceding but as she graciously bestowed on arthur the greetings of the morning her voice was firm her eye clear and her countenance steady i meet you she said not as i left you but determined in my purpose i am satisfied that if rene does not voluntarily yield up his throne of province by some step like that which we propose he will be hurled from it by violence in which it may be his life will not be spared we will therefore to work with all speed the worst is that i cannot leave this convent till i have made the necessary penances for having visited the garagoyle without performing which i were no christian woman when you return to aix inquire at the palace for my secretary with whom this line will give you credence i have even before this door of hope opened to me endeavoured to form an estimate of king rene's situation and collected the documents for that purpose tell him to send me duly sealed and under fitting charge the small cabinet hooped with silver hours of penance for past errors may be employed to prevent others and from the contents of that cabinet i shall learn whether i am in this weighty matter sacrificing my father's interests to my own half-desperate hopes but of this i have little or no doubt i can cause the deeds of resignation and transference to be drawn up here under my own direction and arrange the execution of them when i return to aix which shall be the first moment after my penance is concluded and this letter gracious madam said arthur will inform you what events are approaching and of what importance it may be to take time by the forelock 
place me but in possession of these momentous deeds and i will travel night and day till i reach the duke's camp i shall find him most likely in the moment of victory and with his heart too much open to refuse a boon to the royal kinswoman who is surrendering to him all we will we must in such an hour obtain princely succours and we shall soon see if the licentious edward of york the savage richard the treacherous and perjured clarence are hereafter to be lords of merry england or whether they must give place to a more rightful sovereign and better man but oh royal madam all depends on haste true yet a few days may nay must cast the die between charles and his opponents and ere making so great a surrender it were as well to be assured that he whom we would propitiate is in capacity to assist us all the events of a tragic and varied life have led me to see there is no such thing as an inconsiderable enemy i will make haste however trusting in the interim we may have good news from the banks of the lake at neufchatel but who shall be employed to draw these most important deeds said the young man margaret mused ere she replied the father guardian is complacent and i think faithful but i would not willingly repose confidence in one of the provencal monks stay let me think your father says the carmelite who brought the letter may be trusted he shall do the turn he is a stranger and will be silent for a piece of money farewell arthur de vere you will be treated with all hospitality by my father if thou dost receive further tidings thou wilt let me know them or should i have instructions to send thou wilt hear from me so benedicite arthur proceeded to wind down the mountain at a much quicker pace than he had ascended on the day before the weather was now gloriously serene and the beauties of vegetation in a country where it never totally slumbers were at once delicious and refreshing his thoughts wandered from the crags of mont st victor to the cliff of the canton of unterwalden and fancy recalled the moments when his walks through such scenery were not solitary but when there was a form by his side whose simple beauty was engraved on his memory such thoughts were of a preoccupying nature and i grieve to say that they entirely drowned the recollection of the mysterious caution given him by his father intimating that arthur might not be able to comprehend such letters as he should receive from him till they were warmed before a fire the first thing which reminded him of this singular caution was the seeing of a chafing dish of charcoal in the kitchen of the hostelry at the bottom of the mountain where he found tybalt and his horses this was the first fire which he had seen since receiving his father's letter and it reminded him 
not unnaturally of what the earl had recommended great was his surprise to see that after exposing the paper to the fire as if to dry it a word emerged in an important passage of the letter and the concluding words now read the bearer may not be trusted well nigh choked with shame and vexation arthur could think of no other remedy than instantly to return to the convent and acquaint the queen with this discovery which he hoped still to convey to her in time to prevent any risk being incurred by the carmelite's treachery incensed at himself and eager to redeem his fault he bent his manly breast against the steep hill which was probably never scaled in so short time as by the young heir of de vere for within forty minutes from his commencing the ascent he stood breathless and panting in the presence of queen margaret who was alike surprised at his appearance and his exhausted condition trust not the carmelite he exclaimed you are betrayed noble queen and it is by my negligence here is my dagger bid me strike it into my heart margaret demanded and obtained a more special explanation and when it was given she said it is an unhappy chance but your father's instructions ought to have been more distinct i have told yonder carmelite the purpose of the contracts and engaged with him to draw them he has but now left me to serve at the choir there is no withdrawing the confidence i have unhappily placed but i can easily prevail with the father guardian to prevent the monk from leaving the convent till we are indifferent to his secrecy it is our best chance to secure it and we will take care that what inconvenience he sustains by his detention shall be well recompensed meanwhile rest thou good arthur and undo the throat of thy mantle poor youth thou art well nigh exhausted with thy haste arthur obeyed and sat down on a seat in the parlour for the speed which he had exerted rendered him almost incapable of standing if i could but see he said the false monk i would find a way to charm him to secrecy better leave him to me said the queen and in a word i forbid you to meddle with him the coif can treat better with the cowl than the cask can do say no more of him i joy to see you wear around your neck the holy relic i bestowed on you but what moorish charmlet is that you wear beside it alas i need not ask your heightened colour almost as deep as when you entered a quarter of an hour hence confesses a true love token alas poor boy hast thou not only such a share of thy country's woes to bear but also thine own load of affliction not the less poignant now that future time will show thee how fantastic it is margaret of anjou could once have aided wherever thy affections were placed but now she can only contribute to the misery of her friends not to their happiness 
but this lady of the charm arthur is she fair is she wise and virtuous is she of noble birth and does she love she perused his countenance with the glance of an eagle and continued to all thou wouldst answer yes if shamefacedness permitted thee love her then in turn my gallant boy for love is the parent of brave actions go my noble youth high-born and loyal valorous and virtuous enamoured and youthful to what mayest thou not rise the chivalry of ancient europe only lives in a bosom like thine go and let the praises of a queen fire thy bosom with the love of honour and achievement in three days we meet at aix arthur highly gratified with the queen's condescension once more left her presence returning down the mountain with a speed very different from that which he had used in the ascent he again found his provencal squire who had remained in much surprise at witnessing the confusion in which his master had left the inn almost immediately after he had entered it without any apparent haste or agitation arthur explained his hasty return by alleging he had forgot his purse at the convent nay in that case said tybalt considering what you left and where you left it i do not wonder at your speed though our lady save me as i never saw living creature save a goat with a wolf at his heels make his way over crag and briars with half such rapidity as you did they reached aix after about an hour's riding and arthur lost no time in waiting upon the good king rene who gave him a kind reception both in respect of the letter from the duke of burgundy and in consideration of his being an englishman the avowed subject of the unfortunate margaret the placable monarch soon forgave his young guest the want of complaisance with which he had eschewed to listen to his compositions and arthur speedily found that to apologize for his want of breeding in that particular was likely to lead to a great deal more rehearsing than he could find patience to tolerate he could only avoid the old king's extreme desire to recite his own poems and perform his own music by engaging him in speaking of his daughter margaret arthur had been sometimes induced to doubt the influence which the queen boasted herself to possess over her aged father but on being acquainted with him personally he became convinced that her powerful understanding and violent passions inspired the feeble-minded and passive king with a mixture of pride affection and fear which united to give her the most ample authority over him although she had parted with him but a day or two since and in a manner so ungracious on her side rene was as much overjoyed at hearing of the probability of her speedy return as the fondest father could have been at the prospect of being reunited to the most dutiful child 
whom he had not seen for years the old king was impatient as a boy for the day of her arrival and still strangely unenlightened on the difference of her taste from his own he was with difficulty induced to lay aside a project of meeting her in the character of old palamon the prince of shepherds and their pride at the head of an arcadian procession of nymphs and swains to inspire whose choral dances and songs every pipe and tambourine in the country was to be placed in requisition even the old seneschal however intimated his disapprobation of this species of joyous entree so that rene suffered himself at length to be persuaded that the queen was too much occupied by the religious impressions to which she had been of late exposed to receive any agreeable sensation from sights or sounds of levity the king gave way to reasons which he could not sympathize with and thus margaret escaped the shock of welcome which would perhaps have driven her in her impatience back to the mountain of st victor and the sable cavern of lou garagoyle during the time of her absence the days of the court of province were employed in sports and rejoicings of every description tilting at the barrier with blunted spears riding at the ring parties for hare-hunting and falconry frequented by the youth of both sexes in the company of whom the king delighted while the evenings were consumed in dancing and music arthur could not but be sensible that not long since all this would have made him perfectly happy but the last months of his existence had developed his understanding and passions he was now initiated in the actual business of human life and looked on its amusements with an air of something like contempt so that among the young and gay noblesse who composed this merry court he acquired the title of the youthful philosopher which was not bestowed upon him it may be supposed as inferring anything of peculiar compliment on the fourth day news was received by an express messenger that queen margaret would enter aix before the hour of noon to resume her residence in her father's palace the good king rene seemed as it drew nigh to fear the interview with his daughter as much as he had previously desired it and contrived to make all around him partake of his fidgety anxiety he tormented his steward and cooks to recollect what dishes they had ever observed her to taste of with approbation he pressed the musicians to remember the tunes which she approved and when one of them boldly replied he had never known her majesty endure any strain with patience the old monarch threatened to turn him out of his service for slandering the taste of his daughter the banquet was ordered to be served at half-past eleven as if accelerating it would have had the least effect upon hurrying the arrival of the expected guests and the old king 
with his napkin over his arm traversed the hall from window to window wearying every one with questions whether they saw anything of the queen of england exactly as the bells tolled noon the queen with a very small retinue chiefly english and in mourning habits like herself rode into the town of aix king rene at the head of his court failed not to descend from the front of his stately palace and move along the street to meet his daughter lofty proud and jealous of incurring ridicule margaret was not pleased with this public greeting in the market-place but she was desirous at present to make amends for her late petulance and therefore she descended from her palfrey and although something shocked at seeing rene equipped with a napkin she humbled herself to bend the knee to him asking at once his blessing and forgiveness thou hast thou hast my blessing my suffering dove said the simple king to the proudest and most impatient princess that ever wept for a lost crown and for thy pardon how canst thou ask it who never didst me an offence since god made me father to so gracious a child rise i say rise nay it is for me to ask thy pardon true i said in my ignorance and thought within myself that my heart had indicted a goodly thing but it vexed thee it is therefore for me to crave pardon and down sank good king rene upon both knees and the people who are usually captivated with anything resembling the trick of the scene applauded with much noise and some smothered laughter a situation in which the royal daughter and her parent seemed about to rehearse the scene of the roman charity margaret sensitively alive to shame and fully aware that her present position was sufficiently ludicrous in its publicity at least signed sharply to arthur whom she saw in the king's suite to come to her and using his arm to rise she muttered to him aside and in english to what saint shall i vow myself that i may preserve patience when i so much need it for pity's sake royal madam recall your firmness of mind and composure whispered her esquire who felt at the moment more embarrassed than honoured by his distinguished office for he could feel that the queen actually trembled with vexation and impatience they at length resumed their route to the palace the father and daughter arm in arm a posture most agreeable to margaret who could bring herself to endure her father's effusions of tenderness and the general tone of his conversation so that he was not overheard by others in the same manner she bore with laudable patience the teasing attentions which he addressed to her at table noticed some of his particular courtiers inquired after others led the way to his favourite subjects of conversation on poetry painting and music till the good king was as much delighted with the unwonted civilities of his daughter 
as ever was lover with the favourable confessions of his mistress when after years of warm courtship the ice of her bosom is at length thawed it cost the haughty margaret an effort to bend herself to play this part her pride rebuked her for stooping to flatter her father's foibles in order to bring him over to the resignation of his dominions yet having undertaken to do so and so much having been already hazarded upon this so remaining chance of success in an attack upon england she saw or was willing to see no alternative betwixt the banquet and the ball by which it was to be followed the queen sought an opportunity of speaking to arthur bad news my sage counsellor she said the carmelite never returned to the convent after the service was over having learned that you had come back in great haste he had i suppose concluded he might stand in suspicion so he left the convent of mont st victor we must hasten the measures which your majesty has resolved to adopt answered arthur i will speak with my father to-morrow meanwhile you must enjoy the pleasures of the evening for to you they may be pleasures young lady of boiscalin i give you this cavalier to be your partner for the evening the black-eyed and pretty provencal curtsied with due decorum and glanced at the handsome young englishman with an eye of approbation but whether afraid of his character as a philosopher or his doubtful rank added the saving clause if my mother approves your mother damsel will scarce i think disapprove of any partner whom you receive from the hands of margaret of anjou happy privilege of youth she added with a sigh as the youthful couple went off to take their place in the brancel which can snatch a flower even on the roughest road arthur acquitted himself so well during the evening that perhaps the young countess was only sorry that so gay and handsome a gallant limited his compliments and attentions within the cold bounds of that courtesy enjoined by the rules of ceremony End of chapter thirteen